Coase and Katie Routh up. They would like to share a bit of good news that they shared with me uh, in the uh, fellowship hall earlier. Katie and I just want to share a big joy that happened this week through our English literacy program. Sorry, they can't hear you back there. Um, You know there's a new dental office in town, Jones Family Dental, and I noticed on his Facebook page that he was so blown away by the warm welcome he had received in in Norwalk that he wanted to give back to the community. And in that, he wanted to give a, a smile to someone. And I immediately thought of one of our ELL students, Fuss, who probably has about 10 teeth in her mouth. And for months after we met her, she would not open her mouth to smile, she would hold her hand. And so I sent the the text to Katie and I'm like, Fuss. And so um, Katie wrote up a beautiful nomination that she's gonna read and tell you what happened next. And we hand delivered it last Thursday to his office he met us, he gave us a tour of the office, he's a wonderful guy. So now Katie's gonna read the nomination. Dear Dr. Jones and team, we would like to nominate Fus Fara for your brand new smile contest. Fus is a Somali refugee who came to the United States in 2014. She's an adult student in our Norwalk ELL, English Language Learners program and attends classes three nights a week. Fuss has a strong desire to read and write in English, and she is also going to a citizenship class in hopes of becoming a U.S. citizen in the near future. Fuss gets up every morning at 4 a.m. in order to get to her job, which is cleaning 100 bathrooms at Wells Fargo in West Des Moines. She supports her family of seven on only her income. She works very hard and is proud that she was able to buy a used car with her tax refund this year. She's also working on driving lessons so she doesn't have to depend upon others to drive her to and from work every day. While in Somalia, Fuss lived in Dadaab, which is one of the largest refugee camps in Africa. She lived in the camp for 16 years and had 10 children. Three of her babies died there. While living in the camp, there were no opportunities to see a dentist, and since being in the United States, she has lost several teeth. Just recently, we noticed that she was not feeling well and asked what was wrong. She told us that her tooth was hurting. By the next day, Fuss's cheek was noticeably swollen and she was in a great deal of pain. She knew she couldn't afford to miss work, so she went to work even with the pain of the infection around her tooth. After work that day, we took her to several dentists in Norwalk who said they couldn't see her because they didn't accept Medicaid. We then called around Des Moines trying to find a dentist who would see her and and who accepted Medicaid and the soonest day she could get in was a week away. We knew she couldn't wait that long. Thankfully, the following day, she had a doctor's appointment for her yearly physical. We told her to tell the doctor about her tooth. And when she did, he could see that her tooth was abscessed, so he gave her a prescription for antibiotics. That has kept the infection at bay, but we know it won't be long before she's in pain again. And now, because United Healthcare is leaving Iowa, she has no current insurance to help with a dental bill. Fuss has faced many struggles, both in Somalia and right here in America, like none we will ever have to experience. We would love to bring a little joy into her life, and we're hoping you can do it. Thank you for considering our friend Fuss for your contest. Sincerely, and all of the Norwalk ELL.
So Doris said we hand-delivered the um, nomination story last Thursday. I got a call on Friday saying, could you bring Fuss into the office? <laughs> I'm going to cry. <laughs> so we went in Friday. He took all kinds of x-rays, 3D x-rays. This is a state-of-the-art place. If you need a dentist, I recommend going there. Um, and he told her he would fix her mouth uh, free of charge. This is going to take probably a year because he's going to do implants. He's going to pull all the rest of her teeth and do implants. It's thousands and thousands of dollars worth of work that she's going to get for free, and she's going to feel like smiling again. So thank you to all of the ELL people who have helped. Thank you for all of you who support our program. Thank you. Today's scripture reading is from Acts chapter 4, 13 through 22. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and ordinary men, they were amazed and recognized them as companions of Jesus. When they saw the man who had been cured standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. So they ordered them to leave the council while they discussed the matter with one another. They said, what will we do with them? For it's obvious to all who live in Jerusalem that a notable sign has been done through them. We cannot deny it. But to keep it from spreading further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in his name. So they called them and ordered them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in God's sight to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. So for we cannot keep from speaking about what we have seen and heard. After threatening them again, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all of them praise God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing had been performed was more than 40 years old. Thank you, Katie and Doris, for that good news, great news. I want to talk today, my title's It's Okay to Be Bold. Last week's sermon was It's Okay to Change Your Mind. And it might seem that I'm, well, just a little bored with making titles and, and uh, out of creativity. Uh, maybe I'm contradicting myself from last week. Uh, last week, I said it was okay to change your mind, and I still stand by that. I'm not changing my mind on that one, but... Well, maybe, maybe a little bit. Uh, I changed my mind a little bit this week. It's still okay to do it. But I got to thinking, well, sometimes, sometimes you don't need to change your mind. Sometimes you need to hold firm, to be steadfast. We've been reading together on Sundays uh, different parts of the book of Acts. We were towards the end last week. We're back at the beginning this week on this journey from Easter to Pentecost and encountering these stories of the early church who risked so much to follow Jesus. Our story this morning comes from that early part of Acts. Peter and John are fresh off of Pentecost. It happened only days before this text. We join in the midst of the story after the big event has already uh, transpired. The day before, which was the chapter before Acts 3, Peter and John, they go to the temple as was their habit. And as they enter the gate of the temple, the gate, we're told, is called the beautiful gate. And they enter the beautiful gate, and there, outside the temple, lying on the ground at the gate, is a man 
who is lame. We're told lame from birth. He's 40 years old, never walked, probably carried most of those 40 years to this spot on the temple where he begged. Every worshiper would see him throw coins. That is how he lived. And a part of everyone's life in that community was seeing him there. Peter and John passed by. They probably passed him before. And the guy asks for money, as is his habit. Peter replies one of my favorite verses in the book of Acts. I don't have any silver or gold. Amen. I don't have any silver or gold, but what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And we're told Peter takes him by the right hand, lifts him up. The man jumps up for the first time ever, follows them into the temple, leaping, the text says, leaping and praising God. Everyone sees this leaping, lame man. Everyone knows who he is. A crowd gathers. They've passed him his whole adult life. And yet there he is jumping. It caused quite a stir, as you can imagine. Peter and John, in the midst of the crowd, start preaching right there in the temple about Jesus, about how the religious leaders had crucified him just 50, 60 days before, but that he rose from the dead three days later. And the religious leaders, well, they have enough. They're in the crowd. They, they come to the outskirts. They begin to push their way through the crowd. The text says they're annoyed with Peter and John. And so... They do what religious leaders did. They had them arrested, but they have a problem. They too know this man. They've seen him lame from birth. They've thrown him a few silver and gold coins themselves. And here he is walking, leaping around. They cannot deny the miracle. And they're fearful of Peter and John already able to organize a crowd in the midst of the temple, perhaps a crowd that could turn against them. And they can't allow this Jesus talk to continue. They are weak. They are not bold, for boldness might threaten their power. They deny the evidence of the miracle right in front of their faces. And they have this trial, eventually letting Peter and John go because they know they can't keep them because all the people are in favor of what Peter and John have done. But they threaten Peter and John. Don't speak about Jesus again. Go about your day. Do miracles if you must, but don't speak of Jesus. No more resurrection talk. They threaten him, but that's not going to work for Peter. Peter, well, he had shut up about Jesus once before, denied three times he ever knew him. But not anymore. Not today. Peter and John stand up, look power in the face, and speak truth to that power with boldness. We cannot help but speak about what we have seen and heard, they say. No one can shut them up. Now, reading this story this week, I thought, what better scripture for us today to reflect on? On this day, as we honor the lives of those who boldly fought for their country, not wavering in their commitment, making the ultimate sacrifice, they are an example for us of boldness. On this day, when we honor our graduates, as you step into this world, making bold decisions for your own life, standing on your own, following your own plans and dreams, as you take all the lessons you've learned from your parents, your family, your church, your school, all life experiences thus far, and put them to the test. On some things, yeah, you'll change your mind. 
You'll grow, you'll learn, but when it comes to who you are, to your core beliefs, to your character, your sense of justice and right and wrong, on these, you stand bold, you're steadfast. It's okay to take a stand for what you believe in. It's okay to hold something so close at the center of who you are that no one can make you shut up about it. Your whole life is placed upon that foundation. Learn, grow, expand your world, but be bold in your truth. Don't let anyone take away your character and your understanding of God's unconditional love for you. Be bold, love bold. This week I was listening to the news and I had a great example of boldness. Harriet Tubman. Now she's been in the news a lot lately in the last couple years. A feat for someone who died in 19. 13. Tubman was born into slavery, escaped, and then returned back to the slave-holding territory in the South several times. She snuck out over 70 slaves, risking her own life every time, freed her whole family, freed friends, freed people she never met. Because of her bravery and her unwavering commitment to the abolitionist cause, she still is a rising example of courage and boldness. She was nicknamed Moses for her efforts for leading people out of slavery into freedom. She even fought for the Union Army. She is a veteran herself. She was a scout, a spy, carried a gun, the first woman to lead an armed expedition in war, an expedition that freed over 700 slaves. Now, last week she made news again when our Treasury Secretary announced that he was indefinitely delaying the long planned, uh, uh, long plan of putting her face on the $20 bill. Now, an artist in New York made a stamp this week. He saw the news on Twitter, said, I have a solution. Made a stamp, this portrait you can buy. He, his goal was to get 5,000 out there. They sold out in a matter of days. He's making more. But you can buy a stamp and stamp your own $20 bill in a little bold protest. Yeah, there you go. You can put it in the offering plate, too, after you stamp it. But there is on the screen that old, iconic portrait of Tubman. That's how we have known her. That is until two months ago. Though her portrait may not be on the $20 bill anytime soon, unless we put it there, an actual portrait of her, a photograph of her, a much younger Moses, was just discovered. This is a quote. Suddenly, there was a picture of Harriet Tubman as a young woman. And as soon as I saw it, I was stunned. So says the grinning Lonnie Bunch, founding director of Smithsonian's National Museum of African American History and Culture. He's the one who discovered this portrait of Tubman, contained in an 1860s era photography album, which belonged to the abolitionist Emily Howland. Going through her, her possessions, there was this picture that nobody had seen for who knows how long. All of us had only seen images of her at the end of her life. She seemed frail, she seemed bent over, and it was hard to reconcile the images of Moses leading people to freedom, Bunch explains. But then when you see this picture of her, probably in her early 40s, taken about 1868, 1869, there's a stylishness about her. And you would have never had me say to somebody that Harriet Tubman is stylish. There's this youthful 
exuberance. There's a sense that you could actually look at that picture and say, now I understand that this woman was tough and resilient. A picture, a picture like that, Bunch says, reminds people that someone like Harriet Tubman was an ordinary person who did extraordinary things. So, so this means you too can change the world. It's the gospel in Smithsonian Magazine. Now, Peter and John, Harriet, Moses, Tubman, ELL teachers in the church basement, ordinary people. The religious leaders we read in our text recognized that Peter and John were uneducated, ordinary men. Now, college graduates, this is not an excuse to skip out on college. But they had nothing to go for them. They had no worldly expertise, and yet they changed the world because they believed in something and they stood for something. They were bold. Because of boldness, well, it doesn't come from here. You can't learn, study boldness. It comes from here, from your heart, who you are, your core, what you believe in, what you will stand up for, stake your life on, even give up that life if you have to. And look around our world today, you can see a lot of people going with the flow, compromising their character and their beliefs in exchange for power, wealth, and success. But that's not all. That's not the only story out there. Everywhere there are Harriets and apostles and ordinary people standing up, being bold in the face of power, dreaming big, telling others their dream, their vision, not backing down, changing the world with their courage. And those are the people, those are the people who win. Those are the people who shape the world. Those are the stories we keep telling over and over and over again, whose lives are timeless because they're bold. It's okay to be bold, perhaps even necessary. The world needs bold people of God who refuse to back down, stand up for their beliefs, that which we hold at the core of who we are. May God fill us with that spirit of boldness so that we, like those apostles and like so many before us, cannot help but speak of all that we've seen and heard. May the people of God say amen. Amen. As we come to the table of Christ, let us sing number 403, In Remembrance of Me.